In the fall of 2020, I received a bundle of transcripts with a note asking me to speak for the dead when they themselves cannot. I do not know what these stories contain, but I am asking you not to fear. Though the dead may speak through us, they can do us no harm. These are the Graveyard Chronicles. Transcript 6 Fox Hunt I've always thought you should respect nature. Plants, fellow creatures, all of it. If you don't, I don't know. I've always believed there would be a price to pay. A kind of retribution. My interest in taxidermy started when I was in my teens. My parents were okay with it, but everyone else thought it a bit morbid. Why I'd want to put dead things back together. But I never looked at it like that. I always thought of it as an act of respect. Mending broken things. Giving them a place in the world, even in death. I was on my way back from a dinner party. My stomach filled with pasta and salmon. It was a foggy night. I turned on the brights, but that only made it harder to see the road. Turned them off again and increased the volume on the radio. Smooth jazz flowed out from my old speakers, interrupted by crackling noises caused by a bad reception. The music faded and a new segment took over. We have received a report from Athens informing us that a journalist from London was found dead in the temple of Parthenon this morning. The cause of death has not yet been determined, but onlookers that arrived in the scene before the police have informed the press that the body appeared to have several holes about the size of gunshot wounds, but much smoother. I turned off the radio. I hated listening to the news. It was always so depressing. The fog seemed to get thicker. I slowed down. Didn't want to risk hitting someone with my car because I couldn't see them. I thought back on the dinner party I'd just left. Carla and Tom had invited Sydney and her new boyfriend. I clutched the steering wheel tighter. I didn't know what Sydney saw in that thick-headed city boy. He had no imagination. No compassion. She could do much better. She could... she could be with me. Sydney, sitting there, short dark hair, white smile and red lipstick, an oversized black sweatshirt. How I'd wanted to reach out and take her hand. But then that... that idiot boyfriend, putting his hand around her. I was so caught up in my thoughts that I almost didn't see it. A flash of red fur ran out onto the road. I slammed my foot down on the brakes, but the animal stopped on the other side of the road, fixating its eyes on a pair of headlights that were not mine. The truck didn't slow down. Shiny metal against a rectangular red figure. I felt my mouth open in slow motion, the fog rolling in between my car and the truck, screeching tires, a helpless canine yelp. The fox hit the front of the truck and got thrown into the air, hitting the ground. 
the little legs lying motionless against the wet asphalt, except for the occasional twitch. I turned off the engine and stumbled out of the car. The truck had stopped. I ran across the road. The poor little thing had its eyes half-closed, opening and closing its mouth, sharp broken teeth, flashing in a warning that wouldn't scare off the smallest of predators. Its body was all wrong, joints bending in the wrong directions, bits of white bone sticking out in between bits of red fur. Bang. The sound of a car door slamming shut. I looked to my right and saw the truck driver, square man with a pit-stained t-shirt, staring at the scene. He looked like he was in shock. We can't move it, I said. We'll have to call the RSPCA. There was no comprehension in the man's face. I cast another look at the fox, watched as its chest moved up and down with less rapidity. Do you have a phone on you? I... no. Can you go to your car and get one? Slowly, he nodded, started walking backwards towards the truck. I reached into the pockets of my coat and got out a pair of surgical gloves. I wanted to be ready in case I would need to help moving it. Beep, beep, beep. I turned my head, saw the truck moving in reverse, then speeding up and driving right past us. I stared after it, shook my head, returned my attention to the fox. I don't know why he did that, I said. I wish you would have stayed and helped out. I think I'll have to leave you for a few seconds now while I go get my phone. The fox closed its eyes momentarily, took a deep breath. It's too late, it said. It's not. They can put you back together again. At least let them try. No. There's only one thing left to do. Will you... The fox struggled to breathe. Blood seeped out of its open mouth. Will you end it? I didn't want to do it. I wanted to believe that the RSPCA could help the animal. Could maybe save it. But in my heart, I knew that the fox was right. I put on the surgical gloves, inhaled deeply, and snapped its neck. Back home, I turned on the lights in the hallway and threw my car keys on the hall table. Took off my shoes, realised that my mouth still tasted like salmon. And in realising that, I went straight into the bathroom and threw up in the toilet bowl. I couldn't shake what I'd done, even if it had been for the best. I'd never been asked for a favour like that before. The fox had to lie in the freezer for a few days to get rid of fleas. During those days, my mind kept drifting back to the truck driver. How he'd nodded when I asked him to go get a phone and then just drove away. No respect for nature. No taking responsibility for what he'd done. He tried to shake the growing resentment. There were countless people like him in the world. If I started getting angry about all of them, 
then I could never stop. Three days later, the fox was ready to be taxidermied. I did a pretty good job with it. Managed to make it look as alive as it's possible for a dead thing to look. My friends often ask me why I never kept the animals that I put back together. Not that they wanted me to. I don't think they would have wanted to come to my house if I had. But they just didn't understand why I'd just give them away. At least sell them, they told me. Stuffed animals fetch a pretty good price, you know. But it was never about that. It was about the respect and the wish to mend whatever is broken. They always talked to me. The animals, that is. When I found them. Sometimes they gave me specific instructions, telling me how they wanted their final look to be. I don't know if they ever spoke to their new owners. I don't think so. The fox had been quiet ever since I'd taken it home with me. It didn't really worry me. Sometimes they just weren't very talkative. But about a week after the accident, I came down into my living room to find that the fox was gone. I looked everywhere for it. Kind of stupid, I guess, because really, how could it have moved about? I called Sydney and told her about it. Not that she could have helped me. I think I just wanted to talk to her. Maybe it's gone out to find the guy who ran it over, she told me, as a joke, I think. Do you know where he lives? I didn't, but I should be able to find out. I remembered the name of the firm that was written on the side of the truck. It didn't take long for me to give his employer a call, get his full name and find his address in the phone book. George White lived in a terrace house, a red-bricked, rather dirty place with elongated windows. Striped curtains blocked any view I might have had of the inside. So, I did anything I could do. Knocked on the door. I hadn't planned it very well. I had no idea what to say to George White when I stood face to face with him. Hello, sir. You haven't seen a stuffed fox somewhere around your property, have you? You think I was crazy. No one came to the door. I knocked again. It was in the middle of the day. Maybe he was at work? I knocked for a third time, then tried the door handle. It wasn't locked. A thick layer of dust was over all the furniture. I put a hand firmly to my nose and stifled a sneeze walked further into the house. Hello? Is anyone home? No reply. I stopped. Something had called my attention. A sound. I stood very still, listening. It sounded like chewing. Maybe he was having lunch? I followed the sound into the living room. Worn cushions on a sofa that used to be red. An overflowing ashtray on the table. A fireplace that looked like it hadn't been used for years. Covering the walls like morbid decorations, I saw skulls of varying sizes. Deer, foxes, squirrels. Even what looked like 
dogs and cats. He shivered. That sight was all wrong. None of these animals had been treated with respect. They had been killed and put on display. They didn't get any second tries. The chewing sound continued. It got louder. There was no one by the fireplace. I let my eyes move over to what was behind the sofa. A narrow desk with a computer from the late 90s. Beer cans sprawled all over the table. But it was the thing in front of the desk that really caught my eye. There was an office chair with springs sticking out of the bottom. On the chair, George White. Same pit-stained t-shirt. Up close, he looked much older, with a dough-like texture to his face that often belongs to alcoholics. His eyes and mouth were wide open, an exaggerated version of the shock he displayed at running over the fox. Half of his throat was gone. Instead, there was a large, gaping wound, bits of flesh and muscle being pulled out by a set of effective small teeth. What have you done? The fox, a string of flesh hanging out of its mouth, turned towards me. I've ended it. Look, I know he hurt you. Very badly. But you can't just... You can't just... I couldn't go on. The smell of raw meat and metallic blood made my stomach turn. He left me to die alone. Mother doesn't like that. The fox chewed down on George White's throat again. I closed my eyes and waited for the sounds to go away. Waited for it to be over so we could go home again. The Graveyard Chronicles is a podcast written and directed by Lizzie van Trambe. Subscribe to The Graveyard Chronicles wherever you get your podcasts and leave a review. Thank you for listening. <laughs>